So I'm going to take you back to the 1930s tonight to start our series. 1930s, man, gas was 10 cents a gallon. A new house was only $7,000. The Wizard of Oz was made. Guys like Babe Ruth and Joe DiMaggio played baseball. There were some really cool inventions like the helicopter and the jet engine. Actually, I was kind of cracking up because as I was kind of looking at the 1930s, I saw this list of innovative inventions. And you had, like I said, the helicopter and the jet engine. And then there was like the tea bag. I was like, that had to be invented, you know? Don't they just grow on trees like that? And then the other one I loved was the sticky tape. Oh, you mean unlike the non-sticky tape. Gotcha. Okay. But in the 1930s, we think of kind of class. We think of style. We think of innocence. We think of just old-fashioned stuff. You know what? Many people tonight would say that what I'm about to say tonight and for these next four weeks is old-fashioned. That what I have to say is, is really outdated. It, it's not really applicable for today, right? Because we live in a world where basically everyone looks at purity and says, this isn't for today, man. Purity is old-fashioned. Honoring God with your life and your sexuality and your purity, I mean, that's an old thing. That belongs back there in the 1930s. I mean, come on, this is 2012, right? We have the internet everywhere. We have movies everywhere. We have people telling us all the time that we should just sort of do what makes us feel good. And so this is all just kind of old-fashioned. I mean, does God actually expect me to honor him with my sexuality in 2012, right? Why should I care? Why should I honor God with my sexuality? Well, I think one reason is because because of the way we're doing things right now, we're paying some pretty big prices. I think for those of us in the room who are married, our marriages are paying a big price. That if, if you and I here today, if we're married couples and we're messing around sexually, even in our thought life, our marriage is paying a big price. Some of you guys aren't married. In fact, many of you aren't married yet. But I'll tell you what, what you're doing today is affecting where you'll be someday in a marriage. Your marriage will pay a price. And I know we're not great at all that delayed gratification stuff and thinking about the future and what I do today affects then. But I'm telling you that your marriage will pay a price because of how you act sexually today. I think another reason is that we are paying a price when it comes to our relationship with God. You see, our sexual issues right now for many of us in this room are, are really causing a wedge between us and God. That we, we can't worship, we can't pray, we can't read our Bible, because every time we do, we're reminded of really how far we are from him. And the choices that we're making that are really and truly against him. I think another huge thing is I look out in this room, man, so many of you guys are leaders, so many of you guys have potential to be in ministry, or if not full-time, be used by God in secular jobs. And, and, and I just think, man, so often when we're stuck in sexual sin, especially sexual sin, that we really kind of rule ourselves out and we don't step up to what God has for us. But there are many of you guys who you're not stepping up to lead like you could, you're not stepping up to serve like you could, you're not being used by God in the way that you really could be because you just kind of rule yourself out because after all, how could God use someone who's such a mess? I don't want to motivate you tonight because we're paying a big price. We are paying a big price. That's not why I want you to think about purity tonight. Uh, another thing I could do, another way I could go with this is I could try and take scripture and really kind of almost scare you, you know, like, like over half of the New Testament books warn us about sexual impurity. It's a big topic in the Bible because it's a big issue in our lives, right? 
And so I could pull out all these verses. I could tell you what all these different people say, and I could try and get you real scared, and there's all these consequences. And you know what? That would be completely legitimate. I could stand before God and say, I preached your word, and that was that, and I tried to inspire people, right? But I don't want to do that. There are some great warnings. One of my favorite warnings actually came from Solomon in the book of Proverbs. He said this. This is, uh, to me, if you think about this image, he's talking about sexual impurity, and this is what he says. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Like, that's just a painful image, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, that would be like me going home tonight, get a nice fire going to my wood-burning stove, and then being like, I'm going to try this out. You know, and just sit there, just drop that log on my lap. You know what I mean? And that's what Solomon says. He says, do you really think it's going to go well? You think it's going to be a good idea? You think this is going to come back and bite you? And so I could completely go that route. Um, I could tell you that basically in our day and age, sexual sin threatens everything we hold dear. I just want you to think about this for a second. I, I, I'll tell you up front, I didn't have an affair. Imagine if I did, though. I just imagine me, Doug Jansen, coming up on stage and saying, guys, I got to tell you something. I had an affair. And I mean, just think about the ramifications of what that would do to my life. Everything I hold dear would be completely turned upside down. My relationship with God turned upside down. My relationship with my wife destroyed possibly. My relationship with my kids destroyed possibly. My influence here destroyed definitely. Everything I hold dear completely turned upside down. Guys, we pay a big price and scripture warns us about it, but what if there's something better to motivate us? What if we don't build this series on fear and consequences, even though all that's legitimate to do, honestly? What if there's a huge reward to live the way that God wants us to live? What is that reward? What does that look like? What, what is that that we could shoot for that would actually bring us a reward from God, from our Father? If we could live a pure life, what would that do for us? What would the result be? That's the question that I want to answer tonight. We're not going to get very specific tonight. I'll tell you, later on in this series, we're going to get very, very specific. We're going to get very practical. Um, there are going to be strategies for you. There are going to be, uh, I'm going to define what I believe is purity, and, and, and we're really going to get into it. But tonight, we're going to start out really broad and just say very simply, what would happen if we honor God with our purity? What would the result be? What reward could come? What, what could life look like? if we actually honored God with our purity. Now, I just want to say up front that I can even feel the, the room right now is heavy in here. It's heavy. And it's heavy because most of us have had issues with this or currently do. And so this is bringing up a whole lot of guilt. It's bringing up a whole lot of remorse. It's bringing up uh, some anxiety. This is bringing up fear about what you might have to give up. This is bringing up all kinds of crazy stuff right now. And I just want to tell you, if you are feeling uh, tremendous remorse right now to the point where you feel sick, where you feel like you've got to get out of this room right now, if you're feeling like you just want me to shut up and get Andrew back up here and we'll sing a little bit more, that, was, that felt better than this, okay? I just want to tell you, I don't believe that is God working. I believe that's the enemy really trying to make you feel like a piece of garbage right now. And God doesn't do that, Okay? So I want you to know, as we go forward here tonight, this isn't about guilting you into anything. This is about really finding hope. And I believe that if you're here tonight and you're a follower of Jesus, even if you enjoy sexual sin, which the Bible says sin is fun for a season, okay? So if you enjoy it, 
there's still something in you going, man, I would love to be free of this. I would love to be able to get through a day and have control of my mind. I'd love to be able to hang out with my girlfriend or boyfriend and not end up in that same place again. I would love to be able to go home tonight and not jump back on the computer that same old site. I believe there's something in you that cries for that hope and that freedom. And you know what? If you're not a Christian here tonight, you're like, what the heck did I get myself into tonight, right? You know what? I believe that some of those same cries are in you. That, yes, sex is pleasing. Sex is good. Can I just tell you, sex is a good thing. It's God's idea. Okay, so it's not like sex is bad, you know? Like, it's a good thing. It's created by God. But you know what? I believe that so many of us, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, would say, man, I'm tired, honestly, of trying to find, like, my identity in sex. I'm, trying to, I'm tired of finding, trying to find satisfaction in sex. I'm try, tired of just trying to let that be basically what rules my mind. I mean, th- we, we know this. We know this, right, that, that sex and sexual images and pornography and th- these things, they take over. And so I would say, even if you're not a Christian, there's something in you maybe that wants to live differently that wants to find a satisfaction in something more than just sex. And I'll tell you tonight, that's possible and how that's possible. And so what would happen if we honor God with our sexuality? That's what we're looking at tonight. And we're going to read a story that for some of you is very familiar. For some of you, if you've never heard it before, you're going to laugh and giggle at some of the names, which is awesome. Um, but I'll tell you this, as we start to read, you're going to be like, especially if you're familiar with the story, you're going to be like, I don't see how this ties into purity or anything like that. And I'm going to try and help connect those dots. But let's look together at Daniel chapter 3. This happened 600 BC, and here's what we got. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 90 feet high and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dora in the province of Babylon. So this king makes this huge image out of gold, okay? And then what happens is he calls all the important people. He gets the politicians and all the movers and shakers and everybody and says, all right, everybody gather together. And this is what is said. This is, this is the command that's given out to these people. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Now, that's a little bit intense, right? But you know what? This is what we face every single day of our lives. Now, not blazing furnaces, thank God. But what we face every single day of our lives is somebody telling us, worship this. Now in this case, Nebuchadnezzar said, worship this big idol of gold that I made. You know what it is in our world? Sex. Worship sex. We have made sex God. Our culture has decided that is what we should live for. Whether you are at the grocery store just trying to check out with your family and just I mean, images on every magazine. You drive in New York City and there are billboards, you know, 500 feet wide. You're like, son, don't look. He's like, I have to go blind. I mean, it's just like you can't even look anywhere, right? I mean, we've made sex God. And so, yeah, here we're talking about literally a big image of gold that, that Nebuchadnezzar is saying, you must worship this. I'll tell you what, our culture is saying, you must worship sex. They've set up a big image for us. They've set up a big God. And I'll tell you, they are literal images, even down to a computer screen, Right? And they're saying, worship us. And that's the culture. And you know what? 
As we look at verse 7, it says, Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harps, and all kinds of music, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So everybody, everybody does it. Everybody does it. Isn't that what they say today? Everybody does it. Isn't that what they say to us? Everybody does it, man. Everybody's sleeping around, or everybody's looking at those websites. Or, Oh, come on, man. All right, so you're not looking at porn I mean, it's just, she's a cute girl. You could check her out. There's nothing wrong with that. Everybody does that. I mean, I've had Christian men say that to me. Oh, come on. You don't, hot girl walks by, you don't like look her up and down and think a little while. Right? Because everybody does that. And and, and, in their culture, everybody does it. Everybody bows down. I mean, I just think how many followers of God ended up bowing down to this image of gold? How many former followers of God who would have said, yes, man, I worship God, said as soon as they heard their lives were at stake, they, they got down and they began worshiping. And we're so pressured and we're so, so challenged to do this. But, but what happens is some people realize there are three guys who won't do it. There are three guys who will not worship the image of gold. And so they're brought before King Nebuchadnezzar. I'm sorry, not yet. Uh, the people go before King Nebuchadnezzar and they say this, there are some Jews who you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, you hear the beautiful names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. And so these three guys who were some, they were, they were influencers, they were some kind of politicians, it says they were set over the affairs of those areas, right, are saying no. Culture's telling us to do it. Everybody is doing it, but we are not going to do it. And so the king gets furious, right? And the king begins to threaten them and tell them that, you know, he's going to throw them into the furnace. And everybody around, just think about this, everyone around must be looking at them like they're completely insane, right? This is 2,600 years ago, 600 BC, right? And you know what? In 600 BC, people were looking at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they were going, yo, man, that's so old-fashioned what you're doing. That, that's so 2000 BC, bro. Come on, you know? I mean, that's so old school, right? In 600 BC, these three guys are standing apart and they're saying, we're not going there. We're gonna stand apart. We're gonna be different. We're gonna honor God. And so the king threatens them and look at their response in verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will never serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. So these guys just stand their ground. And here we are in the middle of our culture, and everybody's saying, do this. Why not do that, right? The old song, if it makes you happy, it can't be wrong. Just do it. Just just enjoy it. Just go for it. It can't be wrong. That's what we're told constantly. That's what we see constantly. And so I guess the question is, here are these three guys standing up in the middle of their culture honoring God, not going the way everybody else is. And so the question is, is what's, what's the payoff? What's the reward for living your life in a way that honors God? What did these guys get as a result? Well, let's see what they get as a result. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude 
toward them changed, he ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. I guess that's what you get when you honor God, huh? I guess that's why honor is old-fashioned. I guess that's why purity is old-fashioned because that's what happens to people who honor God. I mean, just imagine that as a movie. You're sitting there watching this movie and they throw them in the furnace and then the end comes up on the screen. (laughs) Crap, man. (laughs) Thankfully, the story isn't over. Verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, I love this, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire. They replied, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like, and I love this, what does he look like? I mean, this is a pagan king. Nebuchadnezzar doesn't know God, doesn't have a relationship with God. He says, he looks like a son of the gods. So he jumps up, and he's freaking out. And here are these three men walking around the fire. Everybody's going, who is that fourth person who looks like a son of the gods. Let me ask you guys a question. Could it be that because these three guys honored God, that they now had Jesus standing right by them? That they now had Jesus at their side, literally in the fire with them? Could it be that because they honored God, listen, God honored them? Could it be that in the middle of all that craziness, in the middle of all that threat and all that they would lose, that because they honored God, God stood with them right then and right there. Could it be that he'd do the same for you? Could it be he'd do the same for me? I mean, I think about these guys who had their lives to lose. Guys in the room, what do we have to lose? Some dignity, some pride, because we don't do it like all the other guys do. Girls in the room, what do we have to lose? Maybe some, some security. Oh no, he might leave if I don't. Here are guys going, kill me. Kill me. I'm gonna honor God. I'm gonna worship God. Goes on a little bit more. It says, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out come here. Nebuchadnezzar has just done something he's never done before. He's talking to people he just executed, right? You are really, really bad at capital punishment if you're talking to the people you just killed, okay? (laughs) And so he's calling into this fire, right? And then it says, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. I mean, how about you? That just sounds like God's just showing off now, right? I mean, there's like no, no, no smell of fire even on them. Like, you know how easy the smell of fire gets on your clothing? You know, I love the smell of fire, you know. I have a wood-burning stove, and there are people in my neighborhood who have a wood-burning stove. And if I go home tonight and I step out of my car, one of my neighbors has that, I will, like, start creeping around the neighborhood, sniffing out whose it is. And, you know, I just hear my neighbors like, honey, that bald guy's on the roof sniffing our chimney again, you know, right? I get home and get in bed. Kelly's like, were you on the roof again, you know? Now, why is that? Because, because fire and that smell of smoke so, so easily catches, right? But not even the smell 
of smoke is on these guys. Verse 28, Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own God. And so Nebuchadnezzar is looking at these guys going, they honored God and he honored them. They honored God and he stood by them. Verse 29, therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. I wouldn't have gone quite so far if I were Nebuchadnezzar, you know, maybe a slap on the wrist, you know, send him the time out, you know, he goes a little gladiator on him. But then he says in verse 30, and I love this, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So remember, these guys were political leaders who had obviously lost their jobs, attempted to be killed, and now they are honored and they're elevated because God saw men who would say, I will honor you. It might cost me something. It might cost me everything, but I will honor you. Guys, could it be that these three men and the principle we see in this story would apply to us? Could it be that if we were to look at our culture and the image of gold we have built called sex and porn and we're to say, no, I'm going to honor God. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to bow down. It might cost me my pride. It might cost me some instant gratification, but, but I know something. I know that when I honor God, God will honor me. When I honor God, God will stand with me. I mean, isn't that the point of that? Of all this, isn't this why you're here tonight? So that you will be closer to God? Isn't that why you came if you're a follower of Jesus? Because you want more of him? If you want to be near to him, well, you know how you get near to him? Well, apparently one of the ways is to honor him with your life and then watch him stand with you. John 14, 21 says, whoever has my commands and obey them, to him I will show myself. Isn't that the point of it? Isn't this why? We're here, but, but could it even go beyond that? You see, what I really think we can take away from this story and, and apply it to our culture and our, our time is, is this thought that when we honor God with our sexuality, God will honor us. How does this play out? Well, some of you guys are, are thinking this story is like way over the top. I mean, if you're not a Christian, you're like, yeah, okay, you're gonna read Lord of the Rings next? I mean, like, this is just such a like over the top story, you know? Even for us Christians, we're like, I mean, everything just works out. I mean, how beautiful, nice little bow on it, and they're safe, they don't even smell like smoke, how cool, right? You know what? I, last thing I wanna do is say, if you honor God with your sexuality, that you're never gonna have a problem, and you know, everything's gonna always go right for you. But what I do wanna say is that, God will honor you. And it works itself out in a few different ways. Sometimes it'll be here and now. Sometimes it'll be here and now. God will honor you as you honor him. How has this played out in my life? Because for 12 years, my wife and I have decided we are gonna honor God with our sexuality. We are gonna um, be faithful to one another. Not just sexually, but in our minds. We're gonna honor God with what we think about. We're gonna honor God with who we look at and how long we look at them. We're gonna honor God with how we flirt or don't flirt with somebody. 
We're going to honor God with the images that come on the screen when I'm watching the football game or come up on the, on the uh, computer screen. I'm going to be honoring my wife. And I'll tell you what, because by God's grace, we've honored God. He has really and truly honored us. He's blessed our marriage and he's blessed our kids. It doesn't mean we we'll go through stuff. I mean, I just told you what's going on with my mom. But I'll tell you what, I know that God has honored the fact that by his grace, we've lived in. I mean, we're not perfect, but by his grace, we have shot at and aimed at and over and over again hit purity in our lives. And I'll tell you what, some of you guys and girls need to hear something tonight. And maybe all you need to hear, maybe this is all I should have said tonight is purity is possible. It is. I know it doesn't feel like it. I know a lot of you guys are young and this is a time in your life where you can't even imagine getting out of what you are currently in. But I just want to tell you that there are people sitting in the seats around you, some of whose story I know, and purity is possible. I can tell you that my own story is going from a teenager who was into pornography and was messing around sexually many different ways, ended up, by God's grace, beginning to live a life of purity. I'm telling you, purity is possible. And when you honor God, he will honor you, and often that'll be right here, and it'll be right now, and you'll see it in your marriage. Those of you in the room who are married, you begin to live this way, or if you have lived this way, I'll tell you what, God has honored your marriage. And you know what? A lot of you guys are not married yet, and like I said before, we're not great at the delayed gratification thing, but the best thing you could do for your future spouse is start to honor God with your purity right now. And the best thing your future spouse could do for you is to begin to honor God with their purity right now. Don't wait till you get the ring. Don't wait till you start looking at a wedding hall now. And you'll begin to see that when you honor God, God will honor you. And for some of you guys, this is years off. You're not gonna be married for years. And you know what? Every single day of honoring God purity-wise now will pay off in a few years. But it's beyond that. Because some of you guys are like, I don't even care about delayed you know, gratification. All right, well, how about the fact that this doesn't just apply to purity? You see, when you honor God with your purity and your sexuality, watch God begin to honor you in other ways. Watch him begin to just set you free from the, the trap you've been in of sexual impurity. Watch, watch what God begins to do to your joy level. Watch how he begins to allow you to reach your potential as a leader. Watch how you begin to enjoy worship again because you're not always thinking about the guilty thing that you did last night, right? Watch how he honors you. This is not just about someday being married. This is about right here and right now. It's also about eternity. That's another way this plays itself out. I love what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say when they're standing there and they're you know, just looking back at King Nebuchadnezzar and they say, we believe God can save us, we believe he will, but even if he doesn't, we will honor him. We will worship him. And you know what? These guys understood eternity. They understood that even if they died in that furnace that day, they would stand before God and God in eternity would honor them. And so you know what? When you honor God, he'll honor you. Sometimes it's here and now. Sometimes it's in eternity, and often it's both. But I just plead with you guys, as we begin this series, as we begin this you know, four-week conversation, to do something this week. And here's what I want you to do. Every time you're tempted sexually, 
which some of you, it'll be a few times this week. For others of you, it'll be a few times every second. As you are tempted sexually, I want you to remember something. You have a choice. You have a choice because purity is possible. And we're going to talk about how and strategy and all that good stuff in the weeks to come. But tonight, you have a choice every time you're tempted to honor God with your purity. Every single time. And I, just please, hear me say something. I am not telling you to honor God with your purity just because you should. I'm telling you to do it because he wants to honor you back. This isn't just let's be better people, come on. No, this is, we've got a loving father who wants to honor us back as we honor him. I got three kids and I love to honor them back when they have honored me. When they have done something, when they've listened right away or they've just really gone out of their way and done something amazing and and I love to be able to come back and just honor them in some way. And usually it's like McDonald's or a football game or playing Wii or something like that. There's no ceremony or cutting of a ribbon, okay? But I love, there's something in me as a dad that rises up and says, you just, you did what I wanted you to do, man. You, you went over and above. You, 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 you know, I, I could see that cost you something that, that was powerful. And as a, a human dad, an imperfect dad, that moves me to want to honor them back. And that's what God is saying here. Hebrews says that God rewards those who seek him. God rewards those who seek him. So, so I'll tell you what. If you came in here thinking that night, God was just a killjoy, wanted to ruin all your fun, wanted to spoil everything, wanted to just make a mess of your life. Are you seeing tonight that you have a loving God who wants to honor you as you honor him, who wants to reward you as you seek him, who wants to stand by you as you stand out and say, all right, you may be sleeping with your girlfriend or boyfriend. Maybe you're a married man and you're going to the office tomorrow and all the jokes will start and oh, did you see what this you know, secretary is wearing today and all that and you know what? Maybe the gals will make fun of you. Maybe they'll bust on you. Maybe whatever. But you have a choice. You have an ability by the grace of God to say, I'm gonna honor God. And over time, you'll begin to see that he will honor you back. Now I wanna close with a thought that I think I'm gonna bring up every single message because I gotta make sure this message series is wrapped in this. And it's this thought. It's the thought of a coin, okay? If you took a coin out of your pocket right now, you would see that there's one coin, but there's two heads to that coin. And what I wanna tell you is that the coin that this entire series is wrapped in is called grace. And on one side of the coin, that grace shows itself in forgiveness. Forgiveness for all the junk of your past. Forgiveness for all the times you've slept around or looked at the image or thought, you know, let your thoughts run wild, all that. Forgiveness even for the future times you struggle with it. But on the other side of that coin is the grace to change, is the power to live a different life. See, grace isn't just about forgiveness, it's also about empowering you. This grace that you've been given. You know you have that? You know like God gave that to you when you put your faith in Jesus? Like it's, 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 it's as in your pocket as anything else is in your pocket right now. The grace of God for forgiveness and empowering you to live a different way. And so whether you're a teenager, a college student, a young adult, married person here tonight, I'd plead with you this week when you are tempted and it'll be there When you are tempted, 
you remember you can choose to honor God. And I promise you that in time you will see him honor you. Let's pray. So Lord, we just ask for your help, God. This is, um, man, I mean, it's not easy, God. We, we all know this. This is a fight to the death. And um, we just ask for your help right now, God. We thank you, first and foremost, for the grace in our lives. Jesus, thank you for your death, which gives us grace, both to forgive us and to empower us to change. I thank you, God, that you love the people in this room, that you're a good dad, and that you desire to continue to draw us near to you. You desire to stand with us in the fires of our lives as we honor you. And so God, help us. I pray that we will be a changed people. I pray this week people will begin to see the difference in their life. God, we know temptation isn't going, going away. It's not going anywhere. We know this. But God, I thank you that you have given us the grace to be able to stand up to it and overcome. If you're a Christian, would you take a minute and would you bring to God the sexual sin in your life? It's between you and him. You ask him to forgive you. And you ask him to begin to change you. And if you're not a Christian here tonight, you heard about eternity, you heard about grace, you heard about forgiveness, you heard about empowerment, you heard about Jesus. And it's all one gift. It's all one package. And it comes only through a relationship with Jesus. And so if you want to know this forgiveness I'm talking about, you want to know this power to change that I'm talking about, and you're, you're interested in eternity and, and, and knowing God and being with God in eternity, tonight what you need to know is that it's not by anything you could do. It's not by being religious. It's not by singing songs or hearing messages. It's by knowing in a personal relationship Jesus who loves you and died for you and rose again and wants to give you this gift of salvation. And so if you want to begin a relationship with him tonight, would you just pray in your heart quietly between you and God something, something like this. Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you that your grace forgives me for all of my sin, not just my sexual sin, but all of my sin. And thank you that your grace now empowers me to live a different way. Would you teach me, God, to live that different way? And would you teach me to know what a relationship with you is like? And I thank you for this gift. And I thank you that you now are my savior and my God. Amen.